Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by up-and-coming author of the book Wide Open. Leslie Watt is here in studio to speak with us about the journey that she took towards writing this brand new book that's going to be coming out. She's got an amazing story to tell about her life and all that happened while she was walking the El Camino Trail. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Have you ever had one of those experiences in your life where you come across somebody that truly has an impact on you and it's not something literal, it's it's more energetic in that just their presence alone somehow has this effect on you synchronistically. I had this experience uh, when, I, when I met Leslie Watt, who's going to be our guest on the podcast today. Um, Leslie, just a little background on her. She has a bachelor's of psychology and she's also a medical rehabilitation physiotherapist um, who does a lot of work with people that are suffering uh, with physical ailments. She offers a whole different style of yoga called physiological yoga that she's created. And um, she's going to share a lot about that. But most importantly today, I believe on on our conversation on this show, we're going to be speaking about um, a project she's been working on for the last three years. Um, After walking the El Camino Trail, she came back and literally was cued to channel a book that she is calling Wide Open. The book is still... um, to be published, but it's on its way. It's been written. I think it's in the editing stages now. But uh, a lot of the um, experiences that happened for Leslie in that peak moment of walking the trail has been channeled and transcribed into this book. And I just have a sense that this is a one of those kind of books that when you read it, something in your life is going to change for the better. You're going to be transformed. And she'll share a lot more about that in our conversation. Um, I just remember one experience of Leslie when she came back initially from walking the El Camino Trail. And I ran into her at the yoga studio where we teach Moksha Yoga. She um, started sharing just a little bit about her experience experience on that journey and just her energy alone had a transformative effect on me. I am really convinced that there is something greater than we can even comprehend that is aligning all of us together and there is synchronicity and there is something that really is creatively moving the checker pieces, uh, so to speak, in our lives. And Although it's hard to put words on it, I do really believe that uh, Leslie has that ability just in, in her presence and in her courageous willingness to be wide open. So I'm hoping that uh, as you listen to our conversation today, you're going to also feel some of those perfectly aligned moments in the words that uh, are spoken. So without further ado, I, um, I'm going to invite you to sit back and, and connect here with the wonderful, the inspiring the deeply connected Leslie Watt. I'm really, really excited that Leslie Watt has finally arrived here on our podcast. I've been wanting to have you on for so long, Leslie. So thank you for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. it's great I'm to uh, to see you. And I, I mean, our background goes back to, I first met you at Moksha Yoga, now Moto Yoga, as an instructor. I loved taking your classes because there was like so many great references to the anatomy of the body. And then I came to find out that you were like a physiotherapist and like doing all this amazing work 
in, in the field of that as well. So just for the listeners that probably don't know a lot about your background, um, can you just give me like a little bit of a taste of like what you do right now uh, currently in the world? Because there's a bunch of different aspects to it. There really are. There's a lot of components. Um, so I do a bunch of things part-time. Um, and I'm actually currently just taking a bit of a sabbatical from being a physiotherapist. Um, my clinic is inside Moto Yoga on Waverly. Yeah. Um, so I'm just taking about two months off just to kind of focus on other things. But um, when I'm there, I see people one-on-one and I integrate some therapeutic yoga um, that I developed through my training first with Moto or Moksha Yoga. Um, and yeah, so I'm just taking a little break from that so I can focus more on the class stuff. Um, I think the group stuff is so healing and I just wanted to give my, my clients and students a little more opportunity to do that in the summer. And I'm working on some retreats, which are even better group stuff. Wow. Um, and I'm trying to polish off the last edit of my book and just kind of trying to tie a bunch of loose ends up. I'm really, we're going to get into your book for sure. Cause I know you've had quite a journey over the last few years in terms of, you know, wh- what's led you to this point. And, uh, there's probably quite a bit of backstory to all that. Um, just, I'm curious too, just in terms of your style of yoga that you teach, because it's quite unique. I, I don't know anyone else that does it exactly like you do. Can you just kind of describe what that is all about as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the anatomy. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people are interested in that. And I think um, in physiotherapy school, especially, we learned a lot of anatomy and that seems to be the basis of the medical um, approach. And my style of yoga, I decided to call it physiologic yoga, kind of like a play on words, like the logic of physio. Oh, um, cool. Physiologic, but but in terms of... um, anatomy and physiology. Anatomy is the structure and physiology rather is um, how that structure works together or how how things work in order to produce movement and behavior instead of just the structure on its own. So my approach is really not an anatomical or even an alignment-based one. It's, It's about how our nervous system works alongside movement to create healing and pain relief. Wow. So some gentle repetitive motion, it's like a slow flow. Um, and then some neurobiology in terms of like meditation, mindfulness, relaxation, that kind of stuff. Wow. These are like such big words to me, to be honest. Like, and when I hear words like physiological and, um, you know, even anatomy, like it can be kind of intimidating to understand it. It's very, it seems very scientific to me. Um, if you were like writing one of those books, like a crash course, you know, those books, like a crash course for dummies on Microsoft Word or something (laughs) like, how would you, um, make sense of, of this type of work? Like what, what are sort of some of the benefits of it and what does it actually mean to, to work with you either in the yoga setting or maybe coming for a treatment? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So the, the background does, it can feel and sound very complicated, big scientific words, because there is a ton of scientific data to back up, um, the way yoga works to help heal us, Mm -hmm. but it's actually very simple. Like it's, it's really so simple that you need to, to unlearn a bunch of things in order to understand it. Um, so just if you came in and, uh, wanted to experience a session or a class, um, I start with some really basic relaxation or Shavasana like practices. So Mm. just getting into your breath, noticing what your sensations are like, rating your pain level, noticing where your pain is and what kind of, um, sensations your body is experiencing and then working with those areas in just a really gentle way. So moving gently with the breath, a lot of swaying motions, um, 
a lot of pausing and resting if you butt up against some of the more uncomfortable stuff. Mm. Um, and really trying to teach people that their body is the teacher. I'm just kind of there as a, as a guide. Um, mm. One of my favorite sayings to, to convince people of is that sometimes abstaining is the practice of yoga. So kind of teaching people when to back off or when to do their own thing, even if an instructor or um, a healthcare professional is telling them to do something. Right. Um, if it's not serving the purpose of healing, when they should actually take take the matters into their own hands and do something different. It's, that's reminding me of uh, one of my favorite yoga teachers, Brian Kest, who's a little untraditional, <laughs> but he always talks about, you know, all injuries in yoga come from uh, students not paying attention and listening to their own body. It's actually right. not the instructor that's harming you. It's like somehow our mind tends to get ahead of the body and try to get us somewhere further than we really should be going. Do you, do you find that? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to look him up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people need to be taught or even just given the permission to step in um, and kind of become the authority of their own practice. Right. So that's a big part of, I think, um, physiologic yoga is kind of getting under people's radar to, to, to convince them that they're in control. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the longest time before I, I got into yoga, just practicing as a, a student, I totally was really not aware that I was carrying around this body. I mean, I know I have a body, but it was all in my head. And, and then when I first went into a yoga class, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot, this is another aspect. It's like alive. It's like this crazy, amazing aliveness. Um, and I, I know that you do a lot of work with the physical body on so many levels. Um, I'm just like your perspective on that. Like, first of all, I'm curious about why do you feel that so many people are disconnected with their physical body when they're carrying it around all day? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's multiple answers to that. Yeah, just um, like your perspective of that. I'm curious. So my my approach is actually, I, I don't believe that we are, we can separate things out. I don't think we're just a body or just a mind. I don't think you can actually look at those things separately. Wow, um, yeah much like, I mean, the medical system in the 17th century started doing that. Um, but I think because what we see, our perceptions and our thoughts are so dominant um, that our exterior world can have such an impact on on what, where our attention lies that we, we do forget that our body is coming along for the ride and that it's feeding us information and that we can feed it information and that it's not only a two-way street, but it's, it's kind of one in the same thing. It's just really easy to forget about because everything else dominates. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the practices that you offer, I mean, seem to connect people back to the awareness of their, their physical body. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any experiences of, um, that you could share that come to mind around just being more in tune with your body or maybe with clients, you know, not the confidential stuff, but more just like, have you seen any miracles when people like actually connect to the physical body? Like, what starts happening? Um, well, there's the classic kind of, and again, I, it's not, it doesn't show up necessarily in the body. It's, it's so interconnected that, um, I've witnessed a ton of like emotional releases. So when people actually feel pain relief or feel their pain truly for the first time, they, they let themselves, they get overwhelmed, they cry, they feel joyful. Um, they feel sad. It's, it's some kind of emotional reaction mm. to the direct experience of, of their body or of their pain. Wow. Yeah. Why is that? 
Um, well, if, if we look at it from the fascial point of view, um, I do a ton of myofascial release. That's probably the, the bulk of my practice other than the therapeutic yoga. And fascial release, what fascia, what is that? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I, go, I go into that a little bit in my book um, for those that are interested, um, not in a scientific way, but in a practical way. So fascia is the, the connective tissue, not the muscle tissue, but the, the white sort of silver skin yeah. connective tissue, tissue, tissue in our body. Um, and some people think my, my teacher, um, taught that it's sort of the recording tape of our body. So our memories can get stored there. Trauma and injury, scar tissue can actually hold the memory of injury. Wow. And so when we release that tissue, the memory that was stored there is released as well. And we process it huh. and that's how we let it go. That's like just you talking about it. I feel an emotional response to that. Just like what gets stored in our physical body on that level. Yeah. Um, another teacher locally here in Winnipeg, Monica Angelotis talks, she, yeah, yeah, she's an amazing teacher too. And she talks a lot about fascia in her yin yoga practices and I might not do this justice, but I want to know your perspective on this. She was recently speaking about the possibility that consciousness, meaning the most creative part of us somehow f comes through the fascia. Yep. Are you a believer of this? hundred percent. So what does that mean exactly? Consciousness comes through the fascia um, <laughs> to you. Yeah. So it's sort of the matrix that allows nerve impulses to move um, quicker and more freely through the body. So if there's a, a blockage um, in the form of like a scar or, or long-term tension, mm -hmm. um, that part of our body can actually become walled off or blocked off from our awareness because that's how our body tries to heal. It kind of tries to, to wall off the part of the body that's injured in order to keep fun functioning normally in the rest of the body. Wow. So that's why awareness, it's hard to actually sometimes feel what's happening in an, in an injured part of the body because it gets kind of blocked off. So if we're able to open it up or let the consciousness or another word would be awareness flow to that area, it can help break down the walls or the, the barriers that the body has built in order to sequester it. That's amazing. Yeah. So like, it is a mind body connection thing, but it's also like a neural impulse thing. It's a lymph flow thing. So all of these systems, um, can flow easier through, through the tissue. It's quite amazing that we've got this very intricate system called the body with all these different systems operating together. Like as we talk about it, I just go into awe mode, yeah. like A-W-E mode. I'm just like, wow, like it's fascinating to me. Yeah. There's so much, it's almost hard to talk about yeah. because it is, it is one thing. And when you try to separate it into systems, you can, that's what medical books do. Mm. Um, but it's hard to put it all back together again then, instead of seeing it as just this one beautiful dance that's happening all together. Right. Yeah. So in your work, like, is that your perspective is seeing it as one beautiful dance, one unit working all together? Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. It's like a, like a single cell. That's what I, I think of the body, like a single cell. Oh, I love that. Kind of all, all working together. Right. Yeah. What would you say is like most exciting you right now about, um, your research and your practice and like where you're at in the journey of all of this? Um, well, because I work one-on-one -on -one and I'm a sole proprietor of my, my clinic, um, I spent the last seven years actually in, in the clinic at Moto on Waverly. It'll be seven years coming up in October. Um, 
kind of locked away in a room with one person at a time. And, and often people are so relaxed that they fall asleep. I've been um, there. Yeah, I've been good. in that room I love that. with you. Like, I love that moment. I feel um, so honored that people trust me enough to kind of fall asleep in front of me. Right. Um, but it also leaves room for um, wanting connection through community and what we call Sangha in yoga. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm excited about moving from that one-on-one more towards creating groups and communities of people wow. that can support each other on the journey. Amazing. So yeah. like what would be involved in sort of a group version of, of this in your mind? Um, so my, my current classes, there are between like nine and 17 people usually that come. Um, so I've, I've stopped doing the silent relaxation at the start of class and now I play music. So people have more of a, a chance to talk to each other before class starts. Um, and same with afterwards. And, um, and then while we practice, it's just really awesome to have people breathing as you know and moving together um and then moving from from that class version where people come say once or twice a week to more of a a weekend retreat which i'm running in september um so we're all staying at a at a lodge for two nights um and then recently have um been working with a group called Trip Merchant to run my first international retreat that's going to last 10 so... days. And that's going to be in Egypt in March. Wow. So even more cool. of a community feel. That is so exciting. Yeah. Going to Egypt with this work. Yeah. And so is it like very yoga based um, practice that's happening during the weekend or are there other aspects besides the yoga going on? Um, yeah. Uh, in, in terms of like asana, meaning like the physical practice, there's a couple of classes like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another class that we're going to do that incorporates restorative yoga and Reiki. So some hands-on energy work, mm-hmm. um, my partner Sandor and I will, will be applying that. And then, um, another branch of, of the bigger yoga called bhakti yoga, um, or devotional yoga, um, kirtan, which is a chanting singing, I'm sure you're familiar. Right. It's like a kind of chanting a bunch of Sanskrit words with music. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Drumming and harmonium. Is that the harmonium? I think so. Yeah. Sort of like an accordion (laughs) kind of instrument. It's like a piano and accordion put together. Right. Um, so we're having uh, a couple named Shell and Anton come out and, and, and provide that for us as well. Oh, wow. So just inviting a, a couple more components of the broader umbrella of yoga. Into yeah. these practices. Amazing. And then I'm having uh, a friend come out and provide what we're calling a forest immersion hike. So just a little more of a mindfulness walk wow. in the forest there. Wow. So when you're integrating all of these different sort of disciplines into one weekend, what's your hope? Like, what's the vision for somebody that would go to this? That's a good question. Um, I would like to know that people felt sort of similarly to how I felt when I came home from my teacher training or from other retreats, which is just relaxed and embodied and stress-free and supported and um, maybe experience something that they wouldn't have otherwise and maybe learn something about themselves that they can carry into their daily life and create more of a lifestyle out of. Wow. Yeah. It's like, I can imagine there's some people listening going, well, that would be right out of my comfort zone to like chant music in Sanskrit or even just take the time to get away or, you know, do, do something completely like Reiki, like what the heck, like I would never do that. And and just to think like this could be a really great opportunity to push somebody's comfort zone. I love that you're creating those kind of experiences. Yeah. Cause I think that's, I mean, that's where I've looking back, that's where I've grown the most 
is is pushing the comfort zone just a little bit and in a supportive environment yep. and not being forced to like none of these activities are by any means um required sure um you could sit in your room and read all weekend that would be just as great maybe for you um but yeah just having the opportunity to join or even just observe for for the first time right know, just to become a little more comfortable because there are you know these deep um this deep history in humanity of being in a group singing dancing moving breathing talking resting um mm. look like looking way back right that's how we lived so right just it's kind like of maybe kind of awakening tribal. exactly yeah some sort of awakening something wow yeah in, inside us yeah deep awareness yeah. I, i'm always intrigued by this and we kind of have gone from what you're um what you've created from your journey like now we're kind of backwards but I, if we turned it around like i'm always intrigued by how a lot of times teachers leaders people that are doing this type of work i mean they've got their own backstory that's led them to the point where they now are doing things like what you're doing and in the in the bit i know about you i mean you've had quite an interesting backstory and now are writing writing and releasing a book coming out named Op- wide open i believe it's called that's it yeah wide open and so yeah, can you just give us a little bit of like that journey of yours? And I'm imagining that it wasn't all just consciousness all of a sudden, like there was moments that led you there. I, I believe so. Yeah. And I, and that's exactly actually what I was thinking about today, this morning is that I think these, these are these other things, these yoga practices and maybe singing and dancing and um, walking in the forest are sort of preparations, sort of mini peak experiences that might eventually be able to open us up to sort of a, a bigger peak experience. Uh. Um, and I'm sure that's what happened. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but when I walked the Camino, the, the Portuguese way to Santiago, um, I had a, a full on peak experience. And um, I think that my preparation the years before really prepared me for for that experience or kind of opened me up to the potential for that experience. Wow. I mean, I've heard so many people that have walked that Camino trail come back and share that their life completely changes. Yeah. That would, I'm guessing that must've been the case. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a huge peak experience for you. Can you, can you describe a little bit about what happened? Um, yeah, (laughs) it's funny because in my, um, in the, the prelude to the, to the book, the first page, it says that so many people wanted me to explain what happened or give them a little story, sort of like a a rendition of of what went down on my walk. And it was just so hard to sum up in a sentence or a conversation that it required the writing of this book. Like it was so big that I needed to tell the whole story. Um, and I didn't mean to write a book. It was, it just kind of came, came out of me. It almost felt channeled. It's it's hard actually for me to take credit for this book, um, because it literally just poured out of me. Um, and I think it was because people did want to know what happened and I couldn't verbalize it. So I had to write it down. So who wrote it if you didn't? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Where did it come from then? It came through you. It came through me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, from some some bigger source. Yeah, energy or higher self or sure. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah, and just on the logistical side of this, um, how long a walk was this exactly that you took? 
Yeah. So the, the famous Camino, when, 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 if you're familiar, if you've heard of it, um, when people say the Camino de Santiago, they're talking usually about the French way, which is 800 kilometers from France to, to Spain. Um, there are actually a dozen other routes that you can take. And I took the Portuguese way, which is from Porto, um, to Santiago, Spain. So my walk ended up being 11 days and about 262 kilometers. So in 11 days, peak experience, your life changes. Yeah. And in wow. the book, I actually, I'm, I edited it a little bit more last week and um, it was day three that I really felt opened. Like I, there's a line in there that um, I had a friend that did a 31 day silent retreat at Spirit Rock um, in California. And she said after 31 days, she reached this state of consciousness where she was just naming, she had no thoughts, extraneous thoughts other than just what was right in front of her, just, you know, chair, table, tree. Um, and I, I felt that way day three. Um, and that wow. kind of lasted, it was, it was just pure presence. Um, wow. and I do think, like you said, it, it was probably the preparation that I had done unknowingly before reaching that point, the yoga and the meditation and the all of that. Wow. But yeah. What do you feel it is about that trail that has such a transformative effect on people? I, I really do actually feel like it is the trail. Like I think you probably could reach similar experiences elsewhere, but you'd have to try a lot harder. Um, I did an experiment. It was a grand experiment after this because I was like, is it really the trail? Is it like the geography or is it the Camino itself? Um, that, that helped me with that experience. And I wanted to know. So a couple of years later, I think it was the summer after I did another walk or an actual pilgrimage, St. Cuthbert's way in the UK. And I didn't have the same experience at all. Wow. Um, so I think they say that it's called the way of St. James and it's under the Milky way. So there's some kind of astrological component to it. Um, but I think the fact that so many people have walked it, it's sort of this this energetic groove in the atmosphere or the environment or just in consciousness there wow. that really you kind of tap into it. Wow. Just like, and even how you describe the state of just that awareness of presence, like that, that might not be experienced any other time than, than then. Have you had like, um, aspects of it show up after coming off the trail in your life now? Like, are you able to access that place still? Briefly. Briefly. Yeah. I think I can tap into it. Um, like when I'm walking, um, there's that sort of like muscle memory, you know, ingrained because that's why I was walking every day. And so when I walk here or, or get into nature, um, I think I approach it, but not quite like that. Mm. And I think because it was framed to me afterwards that this was a peak experience, I didn't actually even know what that was. I wasn't expecting it. Um, so I had someone frame it to me as a peak experience after I got home. And I don't think we actually are made to live there. We, we, can't, <laughs> we can't maintain that level of um, sort of consciousness and, and awareness and still function in the real world. So, right. yeah. So I think brief glimpses of it are healthy. Right. And then trying to integrate that into just sort of a, a new level of living. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, I'm just one of my favorite quotes. I've probably mentioned it on this podcast a number of times is uh, by Pierre Desjardins, Tellier Desjardins. He he said, "We're spiritual beings, like having a temporary human experience, like in these bodies that are somewhat temporary. I suspect that they have a lifespan of however many years, but there's something beyond it. I sense." Like when you're, when you're describing what you experienced, there's something that seems almost like bigger than the physical body could even completely handle. Yeah. Is that... And, and- I actually say both of those lines in my book. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. We're yeah. totally aligning here. Yes. Yeah, something bigger is like totally making all of that happen somehow, yeah. right? It's powerful. And it's actually a really great anti-anxiety technique is just th- remembering that and then you can step back and then it just allows you to not be the controller of everything, right? If you're able to just step back and know there's something else supporting you. Wow. And, and yeah, and you're just sort of really along for the ride. It's so, quite liberating. So how would somebody step back or access just that awareness that we're speaking about, that, that sort of presence, that like present moment awareness where you're not worrying about anything because you're just so here? Yeah. Like, is there any ways that you would suggest even just getting a glimpse of that? I think it's different for everyone. Sure. Um, I heard someone say the other day that like meditation can come in many forms. So you don't need to sit on a, on a cushion on the floor and count your breath necessarily. If that's not your thing, you can sort of find it if you feel purely present doing the dishes or cooking for loved ones or taking a bath or walking your dog, or maybe it's a specific park in your town. Um, just knowing where you feel the best and most aligned and then doing that on purpose, mm. I think. Right. It's very personal. I almost get a sense of like spaciousness or there's like a change in pattern too that's yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 Creating healthier habits, just choosing, wow. yeah, choosing the behaviors that help you feel that way. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back to the Camino a little bit more because okay. I'm just, <laughs> I'm so intrigued by what happened to you. Um, when you think about before you went on that journey and then after what would you say were some of the biggest changes? Like, who are you now and who were you then? Like, before and after. Hmm. Because a lot has happened since then. So I think it's been sort of a, like a, a bumpy road, ups and downs. Um, since? Since then, since the Camino, yeah. Okay. So it's interesting because I, it's been three years since I finished my book. And it's been in the process of being edited and um, it's been gestating and it's been sitting and read and reread and all of that. Um, and just recently I've, I've had the realization that I think I wasn't able to fully um, be open to publishing it until I came closer to that uh, experience and that vibration and that level of consciousness that I was in when I wrote it or when I walked it. So I think I'm actually just sort of slowly being able to maintain that level of openness and relaxed mentality um, again. And it's taken me three years. Really? Yeah. And what do you account for that? How come? Um, Why the plummet and then the re-ascent? Yeah. Um, Well, when you come home, it's almost like reverse culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. Describe that. Okay. Yeah. So. Everyone walking the Camino has sort of like a, a common goal, if not a common mentality. Sure. Um, I mean, you're, you're, ba- you're 
carrying your home on your back and you're sleeping in hostels full of 30 people and you're <laughs> cooking for each other and cleaning up each other's dishes. And it's sort of like this family of strangers that you've never had before. Wow. Everyone sort of has this, this common, um, common goal. And then when you come home, especially if you live in like a westernized city, um, it's very individualistic and you don't have that built in ingrained community anymore. Mm. Um, so I think just trying to reestablish um, that mentality in, in our culture was difficult. And then um, there was a period of time where I lost three family members over seven weeks. So it's actually, it's interesting because my book is truly about how um, sort of the comings and goings of people in our lives can um, really have, it has a profound imp impact on us. Yeah. And I think that happened after I got home as well. And it just sort of was the reverse. It was the other side of it. And so it took me a while to recover from that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's interesting, the timing of it all that you'd come back off this peak experience and then kind of plummet down into this challenging, you said Rocky, I think, or like challenging time. And yeah. then, yeah, just to find your way up again. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And before you went, like, just describe what, what life was like before this peak experience. Um, I think it was very uh, typical. Like, I had the the schedule in place. I worked four to five days a week, just sort of lived the, it, it, what felt like sort of the nine to five kind of life. Mm. Um, and it can be valuable in some circumstances, but I think... Um, I learned that there's, there's more than that. Wow. So, so what was, so nine to five before, is it nine to five still, or has it changed? Well, it's kind of all over the place now. I just, I, I do, <laughs> cool. I do carry yeah. um, regular like office hours, but I am, I also leave a lot of room for booking time off or changing my schedule or, um, re, you know, retreats and, and taking, for example, this two months off from working in the clinic to just kind of explore other things that I'd like to do, spending more time in nature, um, hiking again yeah, and creativity, you know, my version of art, that kind of thing. Oh, spending amazing. time with family. Yeah. Wow. I, I just yeah. still can't get over how powerful that trail <laughs> has got to be. Like I, I'm almost scared to go, to be honest, it feels edgy to just even think about going to the Camino because I, I almost think that everybody that goes on that, they're going to have a profound shift in their life consciously. <laughs> it's like, whoa. And yet I want to go. Like I'm open, but I'm, I'm scared to go. Yeah. Did you have any of that? I was afraid to go for, yeah, I, I was for sure. For many reasons. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just, I mean, being a sing like a, an only female out there, um, in oh, a yeah. country that I didn't know the language, Portugal, I didn't know any Portuguese. Right. Um, and, and also it was sort of a, a bit of a test for intuition and my spiritual beliefs and all of that. It was sort of like the playing ground for, for testing those things. So that was definitely scary because what if my beliefs were proved wrong? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, yeah. And instead they were amplified and proved so right that, that the opposite happened. So I think there's, there's um, an integration process that is to be had on either end of that spectrum, Yeah, but totally worth it. Like, you're wow. going to survive. So what, <laughs> what spiritual beliefs of yours have been confirmed more so after this? Like, what do you believe? Um, well, I definitely f felt 
the presence of my dad on the Camino who had passed away um, five years before mm. I walked it. Um, it was very, it was palpable, um, his, his presence there. Um, and then just other experiences, like just meeting people that I had such an immediate and profound connection to. Um, it made it feel like I must have met them elsewhere in another life or in another way, in another form. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, it was, it was undeniable for me. Yeah. It's like there have been people in my life like that where I meet them and I'm like, I've, I know you, but I don't, but I know you. Like that kind of just inner deeper connection of to maybe a different lifetime. Yeah. So, so the real sense of that, it sounds like. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it blows my mind. <laughs> you should walk in and walk and write a book. I I'm would ready. love to hear, I'm love ready. To hear that. What, what originally motivated you to go? Like, um, well, I watched the movie called The Way, which is um, right. Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen, the father-son. Um, yep. So they actually walked it and then they, they did a, a fictional movie about it together. Yes. Um, so I, I just saw that very recently after my dad passed away in 2010. Mm. And it didn't really make a huge impact on me. And then years later, I just felt like I needed some kind of personal journey. Um, and I went to the bookstore and there was a guidebook on the Camino Portugues. And I didn't know that was an, even an option, a thing to walk from Portugal to, oh my gosh. to, to Spain. It just kind of showed up. In it your... just showed up yeah, in my experience wow. and, and it was perfect. It was exactly what I was wanting. So that's amazing. I suspect there's people listening to this right now that are also have been considering it. And this is just another confirmation that they're supposed to walk the Camino trail. I hope so. Myself yes. included here. And I think, <laughs> I think what makes, I'm a real huge advocate of that route. Um, I think, you know, imagining walking 800 kilometers for five weeks is, is a bit daunting and that takes a huge commitment. Yeah. A lot of people wait till they're retired to mm. do that. Um, to do that, the Camino Frances. Um, but the Portuguese way, if you can do it in two weeks or less, right, it's, it's achievable and attainable and you can take holidays and come back and live, live your normal life. And maybe yeah, might not right. be normal anymore. <laughs> it, it might not be. It might not be. <laughs> was there any, um, or actually I'm guessing there probably was, but if I were to say like, what were some of the most challenging moments of the walk? Um, well, for a prairie girl, it, there was a day where we were just climbing straight up a mountain the whole day. There's only one of those on the Portuguese way, thankfully, wow. but <laughs> physically challenging, but also maybe the most um, gratifying day to to complete. Um, so the ascension, the physical ascension was tough. Um, and otherwise, it really just felt like pure bliss. Like I can't, yeah, it just felt amazing. There was some fatigue um, halfway through, but people showed up and helped me carry my bag. And wow, yeah. there's no tour guide for this, right? It's an independent kind of. It's usually independent. I do believe yeah. there are tour companies that you could find but that would help you. For you, you just went. Yeah. You just went. Caution when I'm going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I trained a little bit before I left. Um, <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> some long walks, but I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I read a lot. I read the guidebook from cover to cover. Get your details down if you're going to do the Camino. Yeah. Wow. So then this book emerges and I, I know that it must be challenging to describe everything that's in there because it, it sounds like quite a profound uh, piece of writing that came through you, but wide open is the name of the book. And 
what are you hoping people will gain from reading it? Like, what's the intention there? Um, so there was a point where I actually thought maybe this is just a book for me. Like maybe I should just publish one copy, keep it in my bedroom, read it when I want to remember. Um, and then I've sent some samples to a few people. I've had, uh, a lot of really good feedback from people and a lot of them had said, no, there's actually a message in here that is worthy of the public. Um, and so it's not even what I hope to achieve. It's just that when people read it, they do, when people connect with it, they seem to really connect. Um, and so I guess I hope that whoever reads it does find a little bit more opening, just like the title suggests, just becomes a little more open wow. to whatever it is that they are seeking. Yeah. Have you found that for yourself? Yeah, definitely. What do you feel like you're more open to now? Um, well, the title refers to sort of this heart opening feeling. So, um, yeah, just being more open to connection, to being vulnerable, being honest, um, being seen or seeing people, um, to something bigger. Yeah. To just living authentically and fearlessly. Wow. It's, there's courage here and edge here and bravery. Like I'm just so appreciating that in you just in terms of putting yourself out there and opening up. Like I think it's such a challenge for so many of us that tend to play small or kind of just fearful based on all the, our limiting beliefs. Like, but I see you as somebody that's really taking that fear to the edge and going, anyway, <laughs> I'm opening myself up. But it, thank you for saying that. And it, it was a conscious uh, it, it's been a conscious job because I think f it took three years to get here for a reason. Like it's been gestating for three years because it is scary for sure to, to open yourself up and, um, maybe be in the public eye or to hear what people have to say, yeah. um, about your very personal experience, <sighs> but yeah. it is, it has been a conscious decision. And I think even you asking me to do this podcast really helped get me there. Oh, good. So thank you. Is it, I'm just curious, is this the first time you're speaking about your book on a podcast or? It is. And really to, to anyone, like I really? actually, this is the longest conversation. If you put all the talking I've ever done about my book into one, this is longer than that wow. because I just keep saying, I can't talk about it. Just, you have to read the book or wow. yeah, I'll send you a paragraph or I'm like slowly pulling it out of <laughs> you here. Uh-oh. <laughs> the let's connect debut <laughs> or premiere. That's really cool. I, uh, I'm honored that you're sharing this with us all. Cause I know that this is, there's probably so much more in this book that we'll get when we actually get the physical copy to read it. Yeah, when when so. is it coming out? Cause now we're all going to want to, I'm, I want to pre-order it. I'm <laughs> going to Amazon today. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping in the fall, so fall 2019. Okay. Um, it's been such an organic process. I've had a, a lot of help from a lot of different people and they've all been so generous with their time. Um, so two people from our, our community, actually from the Moto community. Oh, cool. Um, That's Carrie our might, yoga studio where we teach or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Carrie um, Wilkinson was my graphic designer and... Um, she, it's it sort of, it's such a weaving of people, of other people's experiences, right? When you write a book, like I'm sure you know how many people it takes to actually put it together. Put it together. It's oh, not yeah. just the author. That's it's also, right. I don't know if I, it's hard for me to have, but there's that one name on the front, my yeah. own, but, um, um, and then Danielle Lowen was my 
main editor. She's brilliant, um, PhD in English, and she was wonderful. Um, So Danielle experienced a birth and Carrie experienced a death during this process of of putting the book together. So um, just like the book says, those things have profound impacts on our lives and they're not necessarily something you can kind of push through and and manipulate around a deadline. So um, I think all of us, all three of us now can, can kind of come together and kind of tie up all the loose ends and get the cover done and the final Mm. edit and, and put it together hopefully by, by fall. Does it seem that like those experiences for both the editor and the illustrator, like the, the birth, the death, like, do you, do you feel that was connected to the energy that's in this book? Totally. Wow. Really? So if you're going to read this book, you better be ready for some serious transformative (laughs) something. (laughs) Don't be scared. Step to the edge. (laughs) But it's actually, and it's actually nice and light. It, 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 it has some, sure. Some major topics in it, but because it's, it's sort of stream of consciousness, there's, it's just literally what is happening in, in pieces of time. Um, Seems like it just really opens people up, literally, like wide open yeah, to, I hope so. to this this profound energy that's bigger than any of us. That's what I'm sensing as yeah. you're sharing. It's yeah. like, whoa. Um, okay, well, we're getting close to the end here of our, our time uh, to premiere this book. I'm so excited that we. this is like the first place you're talking about it. It's very cool. <laughs> um, but I, I'm curious, just in terms of living wide open, for somebody that um, really is like, challenged with that concept of, I need to, I need to open up. I know I do, but I'm kind of scared to, what would be sort of a first step besides going to the El Camino trail? (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a big step. Yeah. Um, you know, even just, just reaching out and sending someone a text or asking someone how they are or offering information about how, how you are without being prompted. So just on this, the smallest scale possible, just connecting to one other person. That um, like comes to mind? You yeah. Mean? Just, yeah. A friend, call your mom. Wow. Write your dad a letter. Um, you know, wow. ph- phone a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. So just connect and be willing to share something authentic. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's inspiring. I just recently, uh, like this week, it's so amazing we're talking about this. I just sent out, I, got, I had this intuition to start writing letter, little notes of gratitude to people every day. And I've just started that. And so this is like amazing that you would say that as a first step towards opening up more is to just like change up the routine and do something like that. That's just so timely. Again, Miss Miss Camino. <laughs> I love this, yeah, Leslie. We're on the same path. Yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, if people want to follow your journey and stay in touch, what would be the best place to connect with you? Um, that's a good question. I'm not a huge social media person, yeah. Um, but you can find me on Facebook Messenger. Um, I did write a blog while I was um, while I was writing the book. It's called. Uh, WideOpenCamino.com, I believe it's on WordPress. Okay. So that would be like a retroactive way um, to connect with it. But yeah, Facebook, Leslie Watt, um, or through my website, which is physioga.ca. Okay, awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. Everybody, keep your eyes open. Pre-order wide open as soon as it's ready for pre-order because this is going to be a profound book to read on so many levels. And uh, Leslie, again, thank you so much for being here on Let's Connect.
Thank you, Keith. All right. Well, I am going to continue writing letters of gratitude after that conversation. How timely was that, that Leslie named exactly what I've been working towards over the last few weeks? I hope that inspired you as much as it did me. And uh, please check out Leslie's work. Be sure to pre-order a copy of Wide Open as soon as that's available. Um, I love that we got the exclusive on her book here on the podcast. That was a pretty unique and special moment. Um, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week wherever you are. And be sure to tune in again to the next episode of Let's Connect.